Don't let the contractor dictate the pricing of what the budget is. Give them a template to work off of. Know what the construction should cost and then work it with the contractor that way. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart. Get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, James Daynard. How you doing, James? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to the best listeners ever. That's right. Well, I'm looking forward to our conversation and a little bit about James. He is the co-founder of Heaton Daynard, a full-service real estate brokerage specializing in long-term wealth and financial stability for clients. He's honored as co-founder of one of Washington's fastest-growing private companies in 2013, 14, 15, 16, and Inc. 5000's fastest companies in America based in Bellevue, Washington, a place I spent a decent amount of time in six years ago. I would always go to the Bing and MSN offices in Bellevue. So with that being said, James, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, my background is I actually started in real estate when I was a senior college, 22 years old. I was waiting tables and I started working for an investment company in the wholesale market, going out and knocking on doors, getting them contracts and selling them off. What my main focus is, is really working with investors on identifying how to maximize the returns in their current portfolio or finding them new portfolios to kind of acquire, whether it's 1031 exchanges to kind of increase their annual cash flow or to just increase their portfolio with liquidity, cash flow rentals. And then we do a lot of fix and flip properties and training with investors, kind of teaching them the guts of it about construction management, specs, and then get them sold. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about maximizing returns on portfolio. What are some mistakes you see investors or people make? Some mistakes and mistakes that I've done myself is uh, sometimes trading an asset. If I have a current performing asset and it maybe get me a 7 8% return and I go to buy something new or trade into something new that might give me a 10% return. One thing that I kind of learned over the last couple of years and we've kind of adjusted our strategy based on this is uh and once you buy that next building, you might get a nice equity position, you're increasing your cash flow, but you got to pay attention to the dead time on your money. How long are you out that income when you make that trade to get the repairs and renovation done? So what we kind of do now is we factor in our dead time of loss of income for that 10 to 12 months that these projects can take. So that's one thing investors should always pay attention to is not just the cash flow, but what's your overall return over a 10-year basis. And what are some tips you have for people listening in order to calculate that accurately? Build yourself a good spreadsheet. We have a good rental spreadsheet. So when we do a trade, we don't just break down the cash flow, but then we break down the cash flow and loss of income during our renovation period. So for us, we actually have everything set up on a two-tier 
refinance calculator. One, when we enter the new asset with the hard money and then the holding times during that time, calculating your annual taxes, your utilities, all costs that you might overlook at first. Mm-hmm. And then it then turns it into a refinance when we go into a bird type strategy where we're refinancing out all of our cash or majority of our cash. How much cash are we leaving in? But based on that first set of refinance calculations, we can really see what our loss of income is during that time. And I'm more than happy to always provide that spreadsheet off to people. But it's about really just kind of paying attention and then building your financial tools around your business model. And just to give us an example of a couple transactions you've recently done, what are some examples? So an example recently when I did a trade is I actually sold off four rental properties and then I 1031 exchanged them into, it's a triplex slash pseudo rooming house. So two units will be conforming units. And then the third unit's going to be an eight bedroom rooming house. It's right next to the University of Washington. So that's high rent potential. So like I was just talking about, one thing I had to kind of get comfortable with and make sure the trade was worth it is I took three properties that were making about seven to 8%. And then I have about 12 months worth of renovation of dead time. So I'm losing about 60 grand in income on those three properties. But I went from making a seven to 8% return to now after the property is completely stabilized, I'm going into a 14% cash return mm-hmm. with a really good equity position in a, in a really good neighborhood. I'm also trading into a better neighborhood. So for me, the dead time and the money was worth the trade. Now, if it would have been a 10% return trade, I probably would have passed on it at the end of the day. So I just had to really adjust my numbers for the scope of work that I was doing. You probably would have passed at 10% even though it's in a better area and that dead time's a one-off variable, not a constant variable? Yeah, because for me, if I'm going to make the trade, I want to make sure it's a next five-year trade. So anytime I'm looking at maybe selling off some assets, and I liked my three rental properties that I had, they weren't underperformers by any means, and they were in good locations. But for me, if I'm going to go through selling off all my assets, putting it in and having that dead time, I want to make sure it's worth it. So for me, I always factor about a 4% increase on my trade. Mm-hmm. Now, if it would have been a lot easier building, which I could have renovated in a three-month period, I would have gone for maybe a 10 to 11% trade. But the scope of work kind of dictated the return I was trying to trade. Talk us through the renovation project, please. So the renovation, so the one unit is very straightforward. I'm doing electric plumbing. It's a one bedroom, one bath unit. I can't do a whole lot more with that. So I'm just hitting all the systems, getting them safe, getting it updated to maximize rents. The current rents on the property were 1395 and I can get them up to 1995 with about a $20,000 renovation. The second unit is a two bedroom, one bath that the guy had partially demoed already. So what I've done, it's about 900 square feet and I've kind of laid out how I can get a three bedroom, one bath unit, which takes a lot more framing and design layout. I basically have to gut the whole thing upstairs, but it takes my rent potential from being about 2,200 to 3,400. So for me doing the studs down and relaying that out and squeezing out that third bedroom, brought a substantial more income to me on that unit. Mm-hmm. And then the third unit is actually a two bedroom, one bath that brings in about $2,100 a month that I'm actually converting out into an eight bedroom rooming house because it's a triplex zoning allows me to get eight bedrooms per unit. And this one, I had a large unfinished basement. So I'm digging out part of the basement and adding about six bedrooms in the basement area. It's a very substantial renovation. So how I had to plan that renovation, it takes so much time, effort, and resources that I wanted to make sure I got that return out of it. But in that eight-bedroom rooming house, we'll rent for about nine ninety-five a room. 
So that bottom unit alone is going to bring in $8,000. The one bedroom, one bath is going to bring me in about $1,895. And then the top floor unit is going to bring me in about thirty two dollars to $3,400 a month. Hmm. So the first one, the one bedroom, one bath, you're doing electric and just some mechanical stuff. You're increasing rent from basically 1400 to $2,000 and you're investing 20K into the renovation. Does that include your time or are you not involved in it? No, I'm pretty involved in my own personal rentals, especially in these buildings that we're trying to maximize the rentable square footage. So it takes a lot of time kind of laying out each bedroom in a very strategic way to kind of maximize that space. So in the very beginning, I'll be very involved as far as the first 30 days planning, my plan's done. And then from there, I actually have a full-time project manager that kind of takes over from there. So does, so does, that, tw- the first- does that 20K factor in the full-time project manager's costs? He doesn't. My project manager usually does about 60 projects a year for us. So the net cost on him, will we pay our project managers close to about $100,000 a year. So his cost for investment, usually about 3000 to 5000 for him to oversee. Okay, got it. So 33% return on the one bedroom, one bath. And then the two bedroom that you're converting to three bedroom, you're going from 2200 to 3400 in rent. Did I hear that right? Yeah, that is correct. And yep. approximately how much will you be investing to do that? In that top unit, I'll be about fifty to 55000 just for that one. And one thing, because it's a rooming house, I want to make sure all the systems and everything is totally up to new safety code of students living in there. So I am hitting every one of the systems in there, redoing all the electrical, redoing the plumbing. And then the cost is a little bit more for that unit also because I have to reframe out most of the structure to squeeze that third bedroom in. Okay. And I think I actually did my math wrong. That one though is the one that we're talking about now is 26% return. And then the other one, 2000 to 1400, that's 600 bucks times 12, 7,200 and 20,000. That's 36%. A little bit better than what I was saying earlier. Okay. And then both very good returns for each of those units. Now with the rooming house, it's currently bringing in 2100 and then what will it bring in after you've completed the renovations? So the bottom unit, the two bedroom one bath brings a 2100. After I'm all done, I'm going to get eight bedrooms in there, so it's going to bring in 8000. And the renovation is going to cost me about 125,000 just to do that unit because I do have to dig out part of the basement and pour a new foundation in that section. 100 and how much? About 110 to 120,000 for that wow. bottom unit okay. alone. All right. So it's a difference of 5,900 in rent per month times 12 months, 70,000. These are going to be very favorable numbers for you, as you know already. So that's a 59% return on your investment. Yeah. So at that point, it was worth the work for me. I was like, <laughs> okay, well, this is going to be a lot of work, a lot of permitting issues with the city of Seattle. It takes a lot of time. But for me to get in a very core location and get those kind of rents, I paid a nine seventy five for the building when I purchased it. So my all-in cash on the building is going to be about a $1.2 million, but it's going to bring in about $12,000, $12,500 in rent monthly. When will it be completely renovated and your new tenants will be ready to move in? We're doing framing and electrical right now. Actually, what I did to kind of streamline some of the income is I pulled two separate permits for two of the units, the more easy cosmetic ones. And then what this allowed me to do is those will be available for rent in about two months or so. 
the third unit because it's digging out the basement and it's structural, I pulled a separate permit on its own for that part of the renovation because in the city of Seattle, it takes about four to five months to get your building permit when you're doing any kind of structural permit. So this allowed me to pick up the income. So now once the two units are stabilized in two months, I'm going to be able to collect about $4,000 a month in rent as I'm waiting for my permit to complete the rest of it. The rooming house will be completed probably in July to August of next year. So about 12 months for the rooming. Yeah, about 12 months for the rooming house. Okay. What's something that if someone were doing this project, or I'll, I'll make it less subjective. If you were taking on this project five years ago, what would you have done differently? Perhaps you would have overlooked a certain aspect of the project that you no longer overlook, or you would have budgeted differently. What have you done differently that you wouldn't have done five years ago if you had this project? really comes down to the construction execution. So about five years ago, we would have just pulled a permit on the full building. But then what that would have done is I would have had a loss of income on two of my units for 12 months as well. So that would have cost me $48,000 this year in rent income. So we kind of learned is it's always nice to get into a building, do it all at one time. But with the permit process, you can get around and streamline and speed up your construction projects by kind of planning out each unit individually. You pay about triple in permit cost, but it's about five grand more in permit cost for that to do it that way. But you get things done so much quicker and you can get the property stabilized a lot faster. If I would have permitted the whole building all at one time up front, I wouldn't have been able to start on the whole building for five to six months. Whereas right now I'm in the middle of two units already after 30 days of owning the building. And then I'm waiting on the third unit to get permitted. So it's all about how you structure your permits and your processes to get your job site going. One of the recognitions your company has is Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies in America. How do you qualify for that? It's all based on income growth. So you have to be in business for over three years. And then after three years, they look at your net income on what's your growth potential. So you have to have three years of proven financials. And then they look at your third and fourth year to get to the growth. And then it has to be signed off by a CPA and a certified accountant. Cool. Well, congratulations on the growth and that recognition. What's a project that you've lost money on? About 500 homes um, in the last (laughs) 10 years. So I've lost money on a lot of homes. Recently, I took a pretty big hit on a project I wouldn't have thought I would have lost money on. It was in Shoreline, Washington. We paid uh, 180 grand for a house in King County Shoreline, which is very hard to find. The reason we lost money is we just ran into a ton of contractor issues. We just had a bad stream of them. But guys that I've worked with for a long time, they all ran into money problems, all at the same job, it seemed like. So I ran into two generals kind of explode, and then a subcontractor explode. And then I did underestimate there was a driveway that had to install because the grade was really steep. And so you couldn't really pull a car down to it. That's how we got it so cheap. And I thought I could grade it and create my driveway. And it ended up being a huge structural renovation project because we ended up having to spend about 35000 on this driveway, putting in structural concrete walls. And then it was on a major road too. So it had arterial. We had to flag the street. And it, the permit and the driveway costs alone were about 50% of my total budget that I had projected. And so I just <laughs> way under budgeted it. I thought I could get it done quickly and it didn't happen. And then the same time we listed last July which was right when in Seattle, the market kind of slowed down for a little bit. And there was a price adjustment of about 10% off peak in these neighborhoods that were hyper appreciating. (laughs) So it was just 
bad contractor, underestimated a huge structural permit issue for the driveway, and then a market slowdown, and I ended up losing about 75 grand on the house. I would imagine the contractor issues, since you had pre-existing relationships with them, you just got to chalk it up with, hey, that's what happens sometimes in the business. And same with the last thing, the market softening at some point in time, and then now it's corrected and now it's strong or whatever it is. But the middle thing, driveway being too steep and you thought you could grade it, that's probably something that you can apply for future deals. Am I right in that assessment? Yeah. Sometimes I think I get a little Superman complex. I'm like, oh, I can fix this. I've done anything. And you get in that deal chasing mode where you see that good deal and you want it so bad. But as an investor, you just need to slow yourself down sometimes. Going out and buying the cheapest thing isn't always the best thing. And also, as you're looking at these up front, if it is a structural item, what that also does do when you have any kind of foundation work or anything, you have to pour a lot of concrete and rebar. Most cities slow your permits way down. So not only did I have these other issues because I underestimated the driveway, it cost me about four months of holding time just to get that permit because it was a structural, which equated out to about 25 grand in hard money costs as well. So there's all these factors that I'm going in, I under budgeted and I under budgeted my timeline. I had a a six month project, which is pretty typical for us, that kind of project, but it ended up taking 12 months because of all the additional permits and contractor issues. Mm -hmm. So I definitely underestimated the driveway. It looks scary and it looks like a big deal. I should have spent a little bit more time really measuring out the grade and I could have avoided the whole thing. When you're walking on the property and you take a look at the driveway before it got fixed, what did it look like? Let me put it this way. One of my project managers accidentally totaled his car in there. because he <laughs> Accidentally <laughs> he, totaled, totaled his car? Yeah, because he thought he could pull in the driveway. Because it didn't look that bad when you look at it from the curb. You're like, oh, yeah, you can grade this down. You get down. But then once you get on the other side of it, you're like, oh, man, it's a big drop. So he pulled in and it literally just fell down and crushed the front. And so then he had a tow truck trying to get him out. And the tow truck ripped the axle right off the car. Oh, my gosh. So from from the street, it didn't look as scary. But when you get down, it looked a lot worse. So it was something very noticeable if I would have just taken the time. I was more focused on the house rather than the site around me. And if I really would have just paid attention to that, I would have avoided probably a nasty loss. And when something like that happens on the job, who pays for the new car? Well, his insurance covered it. Okay, so thank I got pretty lucky at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but some of our guys drive our own truck, the trucks we provide them with. So they do it. That's, that's on my dime and my insurance. Yeah. Could have been $75,000 and the new car that was taking a hit on this. Yeah. I guess it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> well, based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? The best advice I can give to people is just slow down sometimes, especially as you're getting in. A lot of people have they hear from friends and they hear they have this huge success story on a flip or a rental and they just kind of jump right in before they build out their systems. Really, before you make that first purchase, get a good dependable brokerage that can help you analyze the deals correctly that they kind of speak in investor's language and they know how to crunch numbers, not just look at houses. And then find a good construction team to work with. Whether it's a general and a bunch of subcontractors you can work with. Like for me, I kind of got away from general contractors doing everything because it just creates too much liability or even in that shoreline house. If I wouldn't have a general doing it twice all the way through, I could have prevented a big loss. So just build your system, get a general that can maybe take on 50% of the work and then bundle the rest up with other good dependable subs that you can bring in and then know their pricing. 
Don't let the contractor dictate the pricing of what the budget is. Give them a template to work off of, know what the construction should cost, and then work it with the contractor that way. And then find a very dependable money source. Who's going to be able to fund that deal for you in 24 hours, 48 hours, if you find a really good deal in front of you? Or who's the bank that you can work with that you can get better rates and terms on if you can get longer closing terms? So just kind of build up your core people, your brokers in your deal sourcing team, your construction team, and your money team. Thank you for that advice. Very good advice. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready for the best ever lightning round. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Okay, best ever book you've recently read? Recently, I actually just read Brandon Turner's Cashflow Rental book. I actually was just at a mastermind meet up with him. So oh, I, cool. just, I, I had never read his book. So I figured I need to read it and actually listen to the audio book on the way home. It was really good. And plus I needed to read it because I have a ton of clients coming into our office that speak Brandon Turner's language. So I had to make sure <laughs> I was up on all the latest terms. <laughs> What's been the best ever deal you've done? Best deal I ever did was actually a vacation rental property in Suncadia, Washington. The reason I say it's the best ever is because I decided I wanted a vacation place for my family, but to also make income. And I researched different markets that had been deeply depressed. I targeted homes that I could buy below the replacement cost. And I ended up buying a vacation rental for a million fifty. made about twenty-five grand per year for a couple of years just on cash flow and got a vacation there for free. And then I sold it two years later for $1.45 million, And I had to do basically no renovation on it. Oh, man. Why'd you sell it? Because I saw about 150 building permits get pulled in the area. Mm. And last time that area depreciated was because it just got overbuilt. And I was kind of looking at the rents that I could charge. And if there's an oversupply, my rents are coming down. And then the value is going to come down. So it was a really good profit deal. And now I'm looking for my next one. How long ago? I sold it last October. So it's been about six months. That I, I do miss it, though. It's a oh. fantastic area. It's just incredible. How can the best of listeners learn more about what you're doing? They can check out my social media. It's J Dane Flips, J-D-A-I-N-F-L-I-P-S. Actually, I go through a lot of daily walkthroughs on job sites, flip tips, different types of current construction projects we got going on. We do about 50 flips at a time and have about 50 to 100 units of permit for renovations for buy and hold. And then also check out our website, www.heatondainer.com, H-E-A-T-O-N-D-A-I-N-A-R-D.com. We put out a ton of free education on just tools for investors to kind of prevent losses down the road.
I've lost a lot of money over the last 12 years. I've made a lot, but I've also lost a lot. So we always like to show the public how we prevent those in the future and, and teach them our hard lessons before they have to experience them themselves. And thank you for doing that. And I've learned some things from this conversation from mitigating risk on deals. For example, if you're going to do renovations on a building, don't pull the permit for the full building get the permit in phases that way you can still cash flow on certain aspects of the building if applicable and then also thanks for talking through the deal that didn't go according to plan in many ways and the $180,000 house that was purchased that you lost 75k on and what took place and how you could have lost even more if that was your company's car so I'm glad the insurance paid for it for your project manager so thanks for being on the show that was the only luck I had on that project yeah, right. <laughs> well, we'll take it because you could have doubled your losses relatively easy, depending on the type of car he was driving. So thanks for being on the show. Really grateful. Enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart. Get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.